Grab your Bibles, hold them up. This is my Bible. God's Holy Word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Ephesians chapter number 6. Today and then, obviously next week, we've got Christmas, but then the following week we will finish up Ephesians, so we'll be done with it and ready to move on in the new year. So we just got two, two left, but so we're Ephesians chapter number 6. And again, we're, uh, again, last week we talked about how it's a very, uh, sometimes it can be a controversial passage when it talks about, you know, wives submitting and husbands loving and all of that. But the truth of the matter is, is, as again, I know it's my uh, hobby horse quote right now, but we, well, the reason for that is we've overemphasized the illustration and not the context. Well, the same is true for uh, Ephesians chapter number six. And so we, kids, before you get nervous that, you know, we're going to be harping on obey your parents. Obviously, the Bible says it. Uh, but again, a lot of uh, churches and families and pastors and people have overemphasized the illustration and missed the context. So we're going to look at this this morning. Ephesians chapter number six, verse number one says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, uh, to which which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness your heart as unto God. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good things any man doeth, the same shall be he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there respecter of persons with him. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we're thankful this holiday season you allowed us to come gather Lord, next week we got the Christmas program and all of that going on, Lord. But we just pray that you'd meet with us this morning as we dive into this next to the last installment of a place called home, Lord. A place that we, that's what church is supposed to be. It's our spiritual home. So we just pray that you'd be honored, glorified, that we'd be uplifted and encouraged, Lord. We ask all these things, your name, amen. Again, like I said, this is, Hopefully, been an encouragement and a blessing as we're we're wrapping it up here in the next few weeks. But I want you to look at, at verse number one. It says, "Children, obey your parents." Next few words in the Lord. Four. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Five. The will of God, seven, as to the Lord. The end of chapter number five and the beginning of chapter number six basically covers just about every human relationship that we have. Husbands, 
wives, children, parents, servants, masters, bosses, uh, just about, I would say, everything is covered. There's something that we need, listen, our, our, our relationship should be in respect to God. Again, last week we, we said, listen, God knew this some 10,000 years ago, that why in the world, woman, why in the world would I follow that man? He's an idiot. And we're selfish. Men are selfish. We, we stated that last week, and you ladies missed your opportunity to say amen and wave the white flag and all that good stuff. But the point is this way, it's not to him, it's to God. We're, he's writing this in the context of the church. The church, his church. And it, it still carries through. Uh, listen, kids, yes, you're supposed to obey your parents, even though your parents are wrong. But you're not obeying your parents to obey your parents, you obey your parents to because you obey God. Because you're saved, because of who you are. It shouldn't be an issue. There's this tough, you know, uh, again, I mean, there's a whole group of, you know, Letter of the law, letter of the law, rule with an iron fist. And, but, and, and that's wrong. But the truth of the matter is, is it shouldn't be a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal for husbands to love their wives. Why? Because God loves the church. It shouldn't be a big deal for wives submitting uh, to their husbands. Why? Because as a church, we submit to God. Listen, it shouldn't be a big deal for children to obey their parents. Why? Because as children of God, you obey God. None of these things should be that big of a deal. But because we've overemphasized the illustration and we've completely missed the context of it's to God because it's in the church. Our relationship should be in respect to God. We don't treat our husbands and our wives and our children and our parents a certain way because of anything to do with them. It's everything to do with who God is and who you are. Verse number nine says what about no respecter of persons. No respecter. Listen, you should, you should, I, I realize that there might be some more pomp and circumstance and elaboration, but the truth of the matter is this, you shouldn't treat the President of the United States any better than you treat Sammy. Because there's no respect for persons. Listen, the, the same honor and dignity as the person, and I realize there's something to be said about the position, but I'm talking about the person. Every person should be treated the same way. Whether they're, I'll hold you, Sammy, six, something, somewhere around there, I, I forget, I apologize. Seven, I don't know. Or however old President Trump is, 80. I don't know. He'd look older if it wasn't for all the Botox. But anyway, yes, that's a joke. I don't know if he takes Botox or not. But I just know he's old, but he doesn't look old, so whatever. Listen, don't be a respecter of persons. The story is told of a master violinist back in the 1800s. <clears throat> probably, probably, uh, people say that he's probably the best violinist to ever perform. 
But he said that one of his students was actually better than him. But his student would never perform. And so it was all, you know, guess, supposition. No one ever heard the student perform until the master violinist was on his deathbed and his dying wish was that his student would perform. Tickets were sold. Assembly hall, concert hall was packed, standing room only. The master violinist was there front and center. Curtains open to a blank stage. After a few minutes, shy, timid little man walks out. Doesn't do anything, doesn't say anything. After a few minutes, he picks up his bow, plays probably the most wonderfully, beautifully played rendition of the song ever played. Never looked at the crowd, was constantly looking at the master. Put his bow down, walked off stage, never to be heard from again, basically. But uh, someone did get a hold of him afterwards and asked him why it was such odd behavior. And he said, I mean, the crowd was roaring. They wanted an encore, and he was just gone. They asked him why. He's like, I didn't play for the crowds. I played for the master. See, I have a respecter of persons. Our relationships should be in respect to God. Verse number five. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not only should we have a respect to God, but it should our relationship should reflect God. I know it's been several, it might have been a year or two ago now when we talked about it. Time flies when you're having fun, right? We talked about how what we were made in the image of God. We are His image Bearers, are we reflecting the right image of God? This is what Ephesians chapter number 6 is referring to. Flip back to chapter number 4. Chapter number 4, verse number 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto them, Verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he might have to give to him that needeth. Listen, we all have a purpose. But collectively, individually they might vary, but collectively we are supposed to reflect the right image of God. And we're, listen, we're free to do that. We weren't, we weren't free to do that before. Galatians, we talked about freedom. Listen, we're free 
But don't use your freedom as an occasion. Because you're not free to do what you want to do. You're free to do what He wants you to do. What He wants us to do is have the right reflection of Him. John 13 says, What that we, you, they will know that you're my disciples, what? By your love. We talked about it the other night. Listen, we don't have the right definition of love. We've got all kinds of bad ideas about love, but I use this illustration. I'll use it again this morning. I want you to take what you know about Jesus out of your intellectual thinking for a minute. And I want you to tell me, explain to me, illustrate to me, show me what love is. The truth of the matter is you can't do it. Why? Because love isn't an emotion. Love is a person. We love because He first loved us. Jesus is love. So when Peter is there after the crucifixion and Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? See, Peter had the wrong definition of love. He had a bad he had the bad idea of what love is. Yeah, sure. You're a cool guy, Jesus. No, Peter, look at me. Do you love me? Yeah. Okay, I realize, Jesus, I messed up. This is an uncomfortable situation. I don't really want to talk about it. Sure, I, I, I love you. I mean, obviously, I pulled out my sword. I was going to kill someone for you. Peter, do you love me? And the light bulb comes on. Do, do we reflect who God is? Because, listen, I realize that it's overhyped. And, and, and when people say it, they, they're trying to take their bad ideas and bad concepts and bad understanding about love and say God is love but God is love but he's not the bad idea and the bad concepts of love our relationships should reflect God he's like okay Peter now because you beginning to grasp and you're beginning to understand what did I have something for you to do because you love me you're going to do this feed my sheep take care of them protect them why because those relationships with people because you love me because you're going to reflect me now there's some things that you have to do Not only that, but thirdly, our relationship should affect God. Look at verse number 8. Knowing that whatsoever good things any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, 
Do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respecter of persons with him. Those in our relationships affect God. A relationship should affect God. When we love our wives, when we uh, submit to our husbands, when we obey our parents. What? I mean, it says, what? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, which is the first what? You get something back. What? Why? Because it affects God. When we have the right relationship with people. Well, I just don't think that I'm blessed in my life. Well, do you have the right? I mean, there's all kinds of things, but one of them is do you have the right relationship with people. Are you treating people right? I mean, I realize the Bible says it. You know, if you want a friend, you got to show yourself, you know, friendly. Listen. If you're nice to people, if you take care of people, if you have the right relationship with people, the Bible says what? That your blessings will be what? Poured on, packed down, overflowing. What's the next phrase? Shall men. That doesn't even include what God's going to do for you. That's just what men's going to do for you. See, hey. What that, was that old saying? You catch more uh, flies with honey than with what is vinegar or something like that. Listen, if you just have the right relationship with people, it would be a, an amazing. Listen, we, we, we did our, our uh, Sunday night study about unchristian, and we're, we're in the middle of one right now about this, the uh, bad ideas about God and about life and about. The, the world has all kinds of bad ideas. <laughs> can I tell you they have bad ideas about church? But can I tell you why they have those bad ideas about church? Because church people gave them those bad ideas? Listen, if we... Listen. I unequivocally dislike just about everything about this world. But it doesn't mean that I can't be nice to people. I mean, I, I, I'm the type of person that I can find something wrong with just about anything. It doesn't mean that I can't be nice with somebody. How dare you take the last? I was going to get that for my wife or my kids. I ought to kill you. In the flesh, that's, those are the thoughts that I'm thinking. But as a Christian, do I, am I reflecting God? Listen, and by being nice to people, by having the right relationship this way, it's going to affect our relationship this way. Because we've missed the... See, we're, we're so worried about, well, husbands, you wives walk around with a puffed up chest, well, you know, you're commanded to love me. Not about you. Husbands walking around with a baseball bat. You're submit to me or else. What about you? Kids, you gotta do exactly what I say. What about you? 
And because we've over-illustrated or overemphasized the illustration, we've completely missed the context. We've got given the world bad ideas. And it's affecting their relationship with God because they're not saved. And yes, they, they're going to have to answer to God. But what does the Bible multiple times talk about? There's going to be blood on your hands. If you don't do what you're supposed to do all along because you're my child. It's, it's not a threat. It's an illustration. Because there's, honestly, Romans... It's your reasonable service. It's the only logical conclusion. Because you love me, you'll obey, you'll submit, you'll honor, you'll love. It's not a big deal. We've over-illustrated. We missed the context. We put a bad taste in people's mouths. Flip over to Matthew. Matthew chapter number five. I don't know about you, but we're getting ready for Christmas break from school. School was never my favorite thing. It wasn't until I got to high school where you actually get to choose your classes that I started to enjoy school because they choose the things you actually want to do. I always tell people this in in elementary school, my three favorite (coughs) subjects were break, lunch, and recess. Those are my three absolute favorite subjects in school. Then, then PE came in, and you got into upper elementary school. Love that. But anyway, one of the things, even when I did get to high school, that I still absolutely hated, I hated them. Pop quizzes. I mean, it's one thing to know that you're going to have a test. You know, there's going to be a test on Friday. You can prepare for it. I hated pop quizzes. You're not ready for it. This is stupid. This is annoying. Can't tell you that's the way God. God doesn't ever tell you when the test is coming. It's always a pop quiz. Always. Sometimes we, or we need to, let God help us to realize and respond. Listen, I had a situation this week. I, hopefully I handled it somewhat decently. May have overreacted briefly, I don't know. But listen, I knew, I knew that I was preaching on this, you know, uh, parents, masters, you know, be, be, ni- uh, be nice to people. Be nice to people. Be nice to people. Walk in and there's a bad situation. God's testing me to make sure that I respond correctly. I hate pop. Look at Matthew, chapter number five, verse number 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. What did Samuel tell Saul? 
Well, I, I, I couldn't wait for you to get here, Samuel. So I went ahead and did something that wasn't my place to do. But I'm going to give all this back. Samuel looked at Saul and said, what? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Can I put that into some cultural context? The end doesn't justify the means. And it's better to ask for permission than for forgiveness. Contrary to what our culture says. See, our, our culture says end justifies the means and it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. No. It's better to ask for permission than forgiveness. And the end never justifies the means. Chapter number 6. Verse number 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So our, our relationships affect God. Listen, if you're not nice to people, why would God be nice to you? Again, I'm, I, I'm not saying that he wouldn't be. Why? Because what? For God so loved the world, when we were in the worst condition of our life, he loved us. He was nice to us. So I'm not necessarily saying that he won't. But what I am saying is why do you have a right to think that he would be nice to you? When you're not nice to people. Why in the world would you expect people to obey you? Masters, husbands, leaders, wives. When you're not obeying God. Our relationships affect God. I mean, there's all kinds of illustrations in the Bible. You know, the guy that owed the guy 10 bucks and the guy couldn't pay it, so he threw him in jail. And the king found out about it and then learned that the owes him a million dollars. And I forgave, I forgave you of your million dollar debt and you can't forgive this guy for owing you 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? And we, when we hear that story, we're like, well, that's just, I mean, that guy's a loser. But how many times in our life that we don't obey God, but we expect others to obey us? When Nathan told the story to David, David got all mad and upset and told, this is what needs to happen. And then Nathan said, David, you're the man. You're the man. What we do should reflect God, but it should also affect God. Are we affecting God properly? I know this is a weird thought. Sometimes I have weird thoughts run through my head. Everybody's talking about, you know, 
coronavirus and the vaccine and it's the mark of the beast. Which I, I, I have my opinions about it. I don't think that the coronavirus is the mark of the beast. If you get the vaccine, I'm not saying you're dying, going to hell. Okay, I don't believe that. Uh, but there are some, some interesting things that, if are true, are leading us culturally to accept some things. They're supposedly putting markers in there so they can track you. Again, I don't know if it's true or not. But leading us to the mark of the beast. The Bible says this, that man doesn't know the day or the hour. You want a 100% guarantee of when God's not coming back? When somebody tells you he's coming back. How many of you remember 80, what is it, 86 or 88 reasons why the Lord's coming back? I forget. It was 1986 or 88. I always forget. But just, just a few years ago, the big, I think it was 2010 or 12, you know, there was another huge movement that the Lord's coming back. Let's, listen, we were driving in the mountains of a, by, in California close to Nevada, and there was a caravan of campers. And they're going to their compound because the Lord is coming back. We saw it with our own eyes. If somebody tells you God's coming back, he's not coming back. Because no man knows the day or the hour. But I want you to think about this. If you wake up every single day and you honestly believe, which I realize eventually you're going to say it and not believe it. If you honestly believe that the Lord's coming back and you tell someone, Lord's coming back today, you can delay the Lord's return. Did you think about that? The very fact is, that, well, God's coming back today. Well, he's not coming back today then, as you said it. Because no man knows the day or the hour. What? Our relationships, what we do affects God. Through the traditions of men, you've made what? The word of God of none effect. What does John 1.1 say? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Through our traditions, we can render Jesus powerless. What we do affects God. Think about that for a second. I realize he's all powerful, he's all knowing, and it's because he allows himself to be that. Are we affecting God? Are we affecting our culture for God correctly? So you had no idea where we're going. But it's because we've overemphasized the illustration, we missed the context. It's about our relationship in the church. With God. And he uses personal relationships, which really shouldn't be a big deal as an illustration. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord. And we're thankful that you allowed us to come and gather and worship. Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to.